Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually and then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Hope you're having an awesome day. Welcome to 216 of Selling the Couch. I am actually recording this again in early December, where we had, well, yes. For our first real snow this morning, uh, it didn't actually stick on the concrete, but it did give a nice little dusting on the cars. And our, our daughter, I actually put her up. We have this bay window in the front of our house, and I put her right next to the bay window and just the, the smile on her face to see snow. I, I can't wait till we actually get a little more snow so we can actually go out and make snow angels and all of that other stuff. Today's podcast conversation is with Montoya McGowan. Montoya is a licensed clinical social worker in the Memphis, Tennessee area. Her website is at stoppingthechase.com. And Montoya and I have actually known each other for going on four years. We actually initially connected just in the early stages of selling the couch. And Montoya, I'm so sorry that it's taken me so long to, to have you come on the podcast, but this felt like such a good time because Montoya is celebrating four years of private practice in April of 2020. Montoya, as you'll hear on the podcast, was actually a licensed clinical social worker at the VA and decided to leave the VA, a job that she absolutely loved in order to go into private practice. And today we are talking all about that private practice journey. We cover a range of different things, including what made Montoya start in private practice. How did she hone in on a niche and how did she actually network and find referral sources for that niche? And then we wrap up with some of the stuff in terms of the, the Thing that's gone really well, and then something that didn't work out that she actually, Mahoya learned, you know what, I got to learn from this and uh, I got to figure out and try to do something differently. This is an action-packed episode full of little pearls of wisdom, and, and I hope that you'll be able to take some good notes and, and just learn some insights along the way. Before we do get to today's podcast conversation, I just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Wellness Spy for supporting today's podcast session. Wellness Buy is a, a modernized bookkeeping and tax services that are built just for private practices. I've actually gotten to meet with founder Eddie a couple of times online, and um, he's a fellow Texan and a super nice guy. And they handle a bunch of different stuff, everything from tax advising to bookkeeping to tax prep to making sure that all of our businesses are compliant when it comes to 
tax laws. You can learn more about Wellness Fi and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash wellness fi. That's wellness and then F-I, all one word. And be sure to mention that you heard it on our podcast. So we'll get right to today's podcast conversation. Here is my conversation with Montoya McGowan from stoppingthechase.com. Hi, Montoya. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin. Thank you. I'm so grateful that that you reached out wanting to come on the podcast because I feel like, my gosh, the time flies, but we've known each other online. We've never yes. met in person, but at least three years, possibly yes. four? Close to four. That's so crazy. I think I'm one of the original members of Health Masters. That's right. You were. You were one of the original eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, one, I just can't believe time has flown and you have been so busy and I'm just so grateful just for your willingness to come on, talk about your private practice journey, just all of the different stuff that you've learned over these past, well, it's going to be four years in April. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Right. That's correct. I, I wanted to kind of start at the beginning. What made you actually start in private practice? I started looking for support and resources online to help me pass the LCSW because I had failed it twice already. And in the process of me looking through podcasts to see if I could find something that could help, I came across Send the Couch and a couple of other podcasts. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what these are about. Maybe I can learn something from these. And instead of learning about how to pass the LCSW, I started listening to people who had started their private practice. And I heard people through the audio tell me that I could start a private practice. And I was thinking, that sounds kind of far-fetched. I'm not even sure if that's what I'd like to do because I was already working my dream job. Well, what was the dream job? Working at the VA as a social worker. And the more I listened, the more excited I got. And then I was thinking, you know what? I should just get a part-time job. And then something said, you can create your own part-time job. And so the more I listened to every week, a different episode, I started making small steps to start a private practice. That's amazing. I feel like Many people, they listen to podcasts or they listen to like, you know, YouTube videos or Facebook lives or anything like that. They hear advice, but they don't actually start, you know, like it kind of, especially I think for our field, because I think many of us are very, like one of our strengths is our intellect, right? So the the ideas that we hear on podcasts, they stay simply ideas in our brain. But how did you actually move from thinking and, and listening to actually taking action? It just started to be a burning in my spirit and I could not stop thinking about it. And so I, when I listen to podcasts, I usually take notes and I write dates down and I use it as an opportunity to journal and to see where my thought process was at the time. And so I found a checklist with starting your own private practice. And I just started checking stuff off the checklist, developing a name, coming up with a name, asking you know, people that are close to you for help with a name. Uh, my name is, uh, the name of my business is Stopping the Chase. And what came to me at first was a chase lounge, like, a, you know, one of the chases that you lay down on. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, hmm, 
people may not know what that means, but the more I learned about creating my avatar and who I was catering to as far as my target audience, anxiety was a huge issue. And so anxiety causes us to chase lots of stuff. So I went from stopping the chase, C-H-A-I-S-E, to just C-H-A-S-E. That's cool. I mean, you said so many good things in that. So one of the things I really picked up is you actually listened to the data that you were gathering. Yes. And you had the flexibility in your mind to be like, you know what, I had this one idea, but now I need to tweak it. Yes. I know for me, one of my biggest struggles is sometimes I get an idea and then I think, oh, this is the best idea. I can't be flexible at all with this idea. (laughs) So how, I guess this is a really silly question, but how did you have the humility to say, you know what, how I was initially thinking about this was not the best way and maybe I just need to tweak it a little bit? It was probably somebody on YouTube that said ideas lead to better ideas. And so just stay flexible. How you start out may not be how you finish and how you start out may not be what your desired product is and just get started, but keep going and be flexible with with keep going. Yeah, I think about like, I don't know, for some reason I got like the image of like podcasting because I feel like that's such an like similar parallel, right? So the first episode you create, right, it's likely going to be pretty mm-hmm. horrible. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But, but the key thing is you have to keep going as within business, right? Because the further you go along in the business journey, you gather more data. And then the other more important thing, which I've learned, and it sounds like you've learned as well, is that sometimes you don't have access to certain data points and insights until you take that first step. Correct. Yeah. And a lot of stuff you don't know that you don't know it until you come across something that helps you know that you need to know it. And not at all to put you on the spot, but like, what was like one thing that that fell into that category where you had no idea, like this was an important thing. And then you kind of gained that like business knowledge or insight as you, you know, went through that checklist and started doing stuff. Well, there was an episode that you did early on that talked about how you can start a private practice as an intern or as a lower level licensed person and the dynamics on how to do that. And so I read the Social Work Code of Ethics for Tennessee and I realized that I too can start a private practice and not have to be an LCSW. I could start it as an LMSW as long as I had an LCSW supervisor, which I did because I was working on my supervision hours. And when I talked to a couple of other people, they were very discouraging and told me that that's not possible and that that's not even something that you should be considering right now. But I did more research and it led me to the fact that actually I can. (laughs) And so as long as I am being supervised by somebody, you can still start a private practice. So at that point, you were getting your hours, right? And then you're having people that are licensed, that have experience telling you like, this is not possible. I think for me, like I actually had a very similar experience, but in undergrad, I actually had a professor once tell me like not to pursue psychology for a range of different reasons. And so I think for me, like that really petrified me. But for you, like somehow you were able to take that knowledge, like take what they had to say, but still keep moving. 
Because I I saw it as a challenge and also I still had that burning feeling in my spirit and that I know that my intuition when it's telling me to to see something through, regardless of what other people are saying or regardless of what naysayers or people who are afraid to go as far as I'm willing to go, that they can't be somebody that I get advisement from. That's such a good way to look at it, right? One, like relying on your intuition, but I don't know, I feel like this is like a a small lesson that I'm learning as well, which is, you know, at the end of the day, all of these businesses that we create, we have to do things that make sense for us, right? And no one else can really know like the unique nuances and the struggles we're going through and all of, you know, like this. And I don't know, I just, I don't, I don't particularly have a question, but more of like, I just really appreciate you for like sharing that you trusted your gut, you know? Yeah. And so the I've learned that when there's some kind of energy inside of me, if I don't follow through with it, it will continue to keep me up at night, regardless of what other people may say. And so I have to try to find out how to channel that energy into whatever it is that I'm being led to do. And if it doesn't work out, then that's fine. But I'll get a couple of extra minutes of sleep. <laughs> it sounds like almost like the regret, like, what's the word? Uh, the regret of not doing it. Yeah, like that that just weighs on you so much, as opposed to like, oh my gosh, what if this fails? Yep. Yeah, no, such a good way of looking at it. I feel like I'm slowly learning that. I wanted to ask you to shift a little bit, but how did you hone in on a niche for your private practice? When I started to think about the kind of people that talk to me already, just day-to-day life and the kind of people that I'm attracted to as far as getting to know in their conversation, that led me to working with working professionals and wanting to be a part of the conversations that help debunk myths where people who are in extreme mental health cases are the only ones that go to therapy. And so I wanted to be a part of the community, especially the African-American community, where we start conversations that encourage people to say, hey, if you are one of those folks where your family depends on you, you make your trailblazer in some way in your field or you're a trailblazer in your family, working with the working, what I call the working well. And you'd normally be okay if you didn't go to therapy, but having a confidential setting to go and be genuinely, authentically you to help relieve some of that stress and give you a unbiased support system, that led me to working with the population that I work with. Hmm. So you narrow it down to working professionals. And then I know that when we were talking before we started recording, like anxiety, like is also an area of interest, right? So did you niche down to like working professionals with anxiety or like, how did you even? Actually, it led me to working professionals who are entrepreneurs or who are also working full-time jobs and entrepreneurs. Oh, wow. So folks balancing both. Yes. And them not knowing that you being a creative and you being an artist and having just a creative mindset that hardly ever shuts off, having someone to help you understand that 
like you're not really unique. It just feels like you are because you don't have a, a support system that is a lot that can relate to some of the issues that you're dealing with. And also just giving them the opportunity to share ideas that they wouldn't normally be okay with sharing with somebody else because they're not bound to confidentiality. So once you kind of honed it on this niche, I, I'm always like interested by how did you market it? How did you like, did you get additional training to get even better at that niche? Like how, what did you do? I started attending networking events. I started looking for workshops that were geared towards entrepreneurs and attending things that they had going on, not just to connect with other people, but also to learn for myself. So as I'm learning, and I know the psychological aspect of it, but knowing about the business aspect of being an entrepreneur, that's a wealth of knowledge that sometimes you have to intentionally invest in. And so that got me in the arena of networking with people who say, oh, you know what? I could definitely use some time to sit on the couch. Did I answer your question? Yeah, no, you absolutely did. Okay. So the networking events served kind of two purposes. One is like a source of like just to genuinely learn and, and figure this out. But then it was an opportunity to connect. And But you actually said something which I think was like really subtle you figured out where that ideal population was already going versus kind of just, I don't know, randomly, I don't know, going to like physician's offices or something like that. Right. Because I wasn't really comfortable with that. And that wasn't what catered to my personality. And so attending networking events and social gatherings is more in line with what I'm comfortable with. And I also made quite a few new friends. And because I made quite a few new friends, then we have, you know, dual relationships. So they aren't able to come to me for therapy. So I had to start making connections with other therapists who would be able to help my friends. That led me to create something called the Mid-South Therapy Mid-South Therapist Group. And so there is a group, Mid-South Therapist Group of Mid-South Therapists of Color. I'm sorry. And it's a private Facebook group for therapists in our area who are therapists of So when somebody asks me if I know of someone, then I have connections with people who are willing, available, and able to support them. That's awesome. You saw a need and then you created, you know, a group to, to help. So we'll definitely link to that in the in the show notes for you. I had a really just random question. So you're going to these networking events, right? And I've been to like a range of networking events, you know, and a lot of them, there's this like weird pressure, like, you know, like people are there to network, right? So then I guess, how did you like one, like maintain your authenticity and, and create friendships? And then two, like, how did you actually share that? You know, I actually work with this population as well in private practice without, you know, being salesy or, you know, that, that kind of stuff. I have, have learned and I'm still learning how to authentically build your brand online with social media. And so connecting with many of them on social media and then maybe saying, hey, is there anybody who's going to be at the entrepreneur workshop next month? If so, you know, maybe we could sit together. I have even asked people online if like, would you be willing to be my friend? <laughs> 
And so having somebody else who may have more connections to whatever event I may be going to and asking for warm invites or warm, you know, warm invites and just really just being a conversationalist and really being interested in the people that are there. Having the courage to have uncomfortable conversations and learning how to make those conversations comfortable. Yeah, as you were talking, I just kept thinking like courage to have the conversations and then the humility to just be like, you know what, I don't know everybody. And I, it reminded me of, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast, but the other month we went back to Texas and I happened to sit next to a gentleman, actually on our way back from Texas, back up here to Philly, I I happened to sit next to a gentleman who had been working in the like sales industry for like trucking for like 30 some odd years. And so basically he travels around, he works for his company and then travels around meeting with clients. And that's kind of what he does. Right. And so I asked him, you know, I said, you know, what's like the biggest like business lesson you've learned? And he said, you know what, before we do business, I try to just become their friend. And I just thought, you know, it's such a simple piece of advice. Right. But I, it reminded me of what you said, right? Like you're not necessarily going into the networking event to be like, okay, how much business can I draw? Even though I'm sure probably consider it. That's hardly ever something that I'm concerned about. Right. It's about building that authentic connection, Mm -hmm. which is, I don't know, it's like a subtle thing, but like, I feel like, especially in this, sometimes like even in our private practice space, there can be that thing of like, you have to do X, 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 and this and this and this at networking events. And and in that process, you lose that authenticity, I think. Yeah. And also, you know, by us being therapists, we can't say, hey, I've got this client that who did a review on me to prove that I'm actually good at what I say I'm good at. And so I have to be cautious about how my interactions may make other people feel to make them feel confident in saying, you know what, she is somebody that I probably could talk to, or I'm willing to bet she can help my brother who has issues with PTSD. She seems like she's easy to, to talk to and I really like her energy as opposed to just showing up and saying, I'm a therapist and you should send everybody, you know, who needs therapy to me. (laughs) I just, I had this phrase, which I just thought, which is authenticity is your brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is such a good way of, good way of like approaching it. Gosh, we like flew through our time. So I wanted to ask you like two questions. What would you say is like the top thing that has gone well as you get to this four years in private practice? And then what would you say is the top one thing that has not gone well and a lesson that you've learned from that? Okay. The top thing I have learned is regardless of what others may say or others may think or what they advise you to do, to be authentically you and don't be afraid to share uh, private pieces of you to help build a genuine connection. And then what would you say is like a something that just in your private practice journey has not gone well and, and something you've picked up along the way? Something that did not go well in the beginning is trying to learn how to do the technological stuff that I'm not really good at. And learning that if I invested the money in somebody else doing it for me, that frees up the time for me to focus on things that I'm good at. 
for about four to five weeks, I tried to figure out how to create a website, knowing that I have absolutely no idea what I was doing, even if I was following this step by step. And so then finally, I said, you know what? I could have had maybe at least one session a week that I that could have paid for somebody else to take care of my website for me. So investing in somebody else helping me with the stuff that will give me more time to do what I'm good at. Um, I feel like that's a lesson that I, I'm continually learning and more recently learning because it's like, and I think maybe this is like part of everybody's journey as a business owner, which is, you know, in the book, The E-Myth Revisited, they, there's a great book. I think everybody should read this. But like in that book, he says, you know, most small businesses are started by technicians, people that have a specific skill set that have knowledge, Right. And the initial pull of a technician is to try to do everything, right? And I know that was true for me, but I I don't know. I think for me, like the decision to outsource was scary because there was I battled all sorts of things like, oh, I know how to do this. Like, why would I need to outsource that? But the thing is, it's you hit the nail on the head, which is that we that the most successful business owners, that they're not doing everything, right? What they're doing is they're focusing on the one to two things that they do exceptionally well and continuing to hone that that skill. Even if it's something like getting somebody to clean your house for you, yes, you can definitely clean your own house and you do a good job at it. But if you pay somebody else to do it for you, then you're able to use that time to possibly spend with family or to spend unwinding or just to spend watching TV, whatever it is that you need, especially as, as a part of your self-care routine. But definitely there's things that we can do, but paying somebody else frees up your time to be able to do what you want to do or what you're good at. I wanted to really ask you like a, a random question before we wrap up. So you you outsource website stuff. Is there anything else that you've outsourced in the private practice that you were like, man, I'm so glad I outsourced this? Uh, having somebody help me with my accounting. So like a bookkeeper? Yeah. Cause I'm not a, I'm not good at numbers and um, they make me anxious. I actually hired a bookkeeper for the first time this year. Because for the first three years of STC, I was like, I like numbers. I can do all of that. <laughs> the problem was I didn't have time to like do all of it. You know, right. so at the end of the, when it was tax time, I'm like scrambling, trying to categorize stuff. And oh my gosh, hiring a bookkeeper is just, it's been a world of difference. I mean, I get quarterly updates. We meet quarterly to see how finances are and all mm-hmm. of those different things. And even you know, before I even make a big decision with regard to like spending money on something, I'm like, is this in the budget, you know, and that, I don't know, it's, I agree with you. Like I think hiring. And it's kind of like, you're, you feel like you're exposing yourself, but it also forces you to be more accountable with managing your money also. Yeah. Right. And that's a very good point, right? If we're the, always the ones, no matter how disciplined we are, it's still very easy to be like, oh, I can justify that cost or I can. Mm-hmm. Montoya, I'm just so grateful for you. I'm I'm grateful for just you coming on the podcast, your authenticity, vulnerability. And yeah, I'm just um, excited for just new seasons of life for you. Thank, um, you. thank you again for coming on. Where can we learn more about you and the good work that you're doing in the world? At stoppingthechase.com and also on Facebook at Stopping the Chase. Perfect. And I'll be sure to link to that on the show notes, which you guys can find over at sellingthecouch.com 
forward slash session and the number 216. Montoya, thank you so much again for doing this. Thank you, Melvin. I appreciate you very much. Have a great rest of your day. Hey there, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Montoya. And especially if you are in a season where you are currently working and maybe even love your job, but that pull of private practice has always called you. I hope that today's podcast conversation has just been a good source of encouragement for you. Montoya's website is again at stoppingthechase.com. And then you can also find it on Facebook. And then you can find if you're in the Memphis area and are looking to connect, be sure to check out her Facebook group as well. As I was just thinking about this conversation, I think one of the the biggest insights that I learned from this conversation is just the power of listening to our inner voice. I feel like, especially with selling the couch, this is a lesson that I have learned over and over in different ways that every time it seems like I don't listen to my intuition and I, and it's usually for me is it's intuition on one side and fear on the other. And usually when I listen to the voice of fear, I end up having some level of regret about that decision. And then whatever other decision I make usually ends up does, does not seem to work out for one reason or another. Now, sometimes, you know, we follow our intuitions and we don't get it right. But as Montoya shared on the podcast, you know, it's not just about getting it right and having it successful, but following your intuition means that just part of it is just willing to take the risk and actually take that first step. So I hope that today's podcast, if anything is giving you encouragement, especially if you're in a season where you are thinking about something and, you know, and you're just not, you know what your gut says, but you're having, you're fighting that. Show notes to today's episode can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 218. Again, as we wrap up, I just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Wellnessfy for supporting today's podcast sessions. As I mentioned right at the beginning, Wellnessfy is kind of this all-in-one bookkeeping and tax services that are built for private practices. Now, one of the really cool things is when you team up with them, you will not only get accounting, but you'll get general business advice on demand. I've gotten to speak with the owner, Eddie. His partner's actually a clinician in private practice, so he knows the nuances of some of the challenges that we face in our field. But one of the things that I just picked up from talking with Eddie was just, he's just a really nice guy and just really authentic and wants all of our private practices succeed. Side note, one of the most important lessons that I've learned as a business owner is that is to make really good hires, especially when it comes to bookkeeping and taxes, especially as our businesses grow. I'm all about staying in compliance. And then the other thing is, you know, there's there's like a lot of different options that we have when it comes to like retirement and stuff like that. And just having a professional there to give us options versus trying to figure it out all on your own can just be such a great source of support. You can learn more about Wellnessfy and the services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash wellnessfy. Have a great rest of your week and I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.
So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.